Thanks for checking out the Bridge Podcast. It's not a mistake you found us. We pray God speaks to you today. Check us out Sundays at 10.30 a.m. For more information, go to sfbridge.org. What's going on, everybody? I'm Spike, and this is... I'm Spooner. And it's been 19 years since we've seen you, and we are back! We are back. It's been 19 years for you, but it was just last week for us. No time at all. No time. We've got a time machine. We've got we, all the time in the world. That's right. We've got our Flittermaga, and it's called the Time Machine, and we want to invite you to something super special coming up in just a few weeks. Are you ready to invite them? I'm ready to invite them to something that's happening in the future. That's right. In the future, we're going to have Vacation Bible School at the Bridge Church at 6443 North Lake Road, now in Minnesota, and it's going to be August 16th through the 19th from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. We will see you there. Right. <laughs> right i love it hey uh these two are some of my best friends spike and spooner if you haven't had a chance of meeting these guys yet they are awesome all right one of them is one of the sexiest guys i've ever seen in my life i'm just saying um the other one yeah um it's okay to laugh in church welcome to the bridge all right is this, is this how it always is oh yeah 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 hey i just want to say this man we are pumped for next week man I'll tell you what, we have a phenomenal team of people that are ready to bless the kids in our church and this community. And so those of you that are helping, already plugged in, awesome, thank you. We have over a team of 20 people right now that are ready to go for next week and ready to bless your kids and knock their socks off. We want to have them experience Jesus in their way, in their language. And so uh, we've got Spike and Spooner showing up, two time travelers next week that are going to bring them to some biblical characters. They're going to time travel together. So if you know of any kids pre-K, so age of three through fifth grade, man, you ha- this is your job is next week, bring them with, like, like kidnap kids, bring them with, or drive a bus full of kids from your neighborhood and, and bring them here. Here's the other thing. This Wednesday, uh, our team, our, we have a creative team that's going to start decorating for VBS next week. Uh, if you don't know what VBS is, it's Vacation Bible School. We're going to take four nights next week, and we have a blast just telling kids about Jesus, having fun with it. And it's all focused on the kids with crafts and snacks and stories and two dorks. It's going to be fun. And so uh, we want to invite you. But if you are not a part of it and you want to be, we want you to be a part of it. We would love you to be, and one great way you can get involved is this Wednesday morning, uh, we have our creative team is going to be here at 9 o'clock decorating and getting things ready. And so if you're like, man, I would love to be a part, more hands on deck will make it go super quick. And so we want to transform this church into a time machine kind of area for these kids next week. And so you'll get to see some of that next Sunday morning, and then our, uh, we'll have that the next week. And so if you're going, hey, I can't help Wednesday, but I'd love to be a part of it, or help sponsor or anything, let me or, or Bethany know um, because it's going to be a fantastic week. And so if you, the other thing that you can do is online. You'll see on Facebook, you'll see on Instagram, you'll see on Twitter, the website, you'll see emails. Please share that with people that you know that do have kids. If you don't have kids or you have kids my age, I have a kid going into sixth grade and up because Heather and I are getting more wise. Um, she's always been wise. I'm just getting more wise. Is to invite them, to share with them what's happening and, uh, and coming. So looking forward to the week. Can we just get a round of applause, by the way, for those that have already stepped up and said yes, because it's a huge team of people. All right, so next week is when it starts, August 16th through the 19th. It's a Monday through Thursday night. That week, if you need to go to the cabin or want to be away, you can. 
but it's going to be a fantastic week every night, Monday through Thursday, 6.30 through 8.30. So, man, bring your kids, have your kids bring friends. It's going to be a great time. Um, hey, last week we dove into this new series, and how many learned something new last week in church if you were here? How many? By round of applause. I can't, I can't see you. If we can bring the lights up just a tad. All right. So my goal is this. We're going through a book of the Bible that a lot of people look at. They're like, I don't want to read that book. It's scary. And once a year, I love to take one book out of Scripture. We have 66 books, and take one of them and do kind of a verse-by-verse study. Just look at it and dive in. What does it mean? What does it not mean? How do we apply it to our lives today? What questions do we have? How, how does this, you know, what are the implications of what the author had said? And so just to get you on the same page, if you weren't here last week, don't be afraid. It's going to be okay. You'll get through it. Um, is this. We looked at Lamentations chapter 1. The author of Lamentations 1 that we learned last week is a dude named... One person remembered. It's Jeremiah. So Jeremiah wrote this, okay? He wrote the book of Jeremiah. He actually had it scribed, and then he wrote Lamentations because what happened in the book of Jeremiah was his basically prophecy towards the Israelites saying, if you don't turn back your ways, if you don't repent, in other words, turn the other way, then all of this stuff's going to happen, okay? Like, in other words, God wants your heart back, and so he's going to allow these things to happen. You're going to go into exile if you don't get it right. Well, guess what happened? They didn't get it right. Now I know we all get it right all the time, right? No, okay, yeah. I don't. You can ask my wife or any of my teenagers, all right? I don't get it right any of the time. A little, little bit on occasion, okay? When I'm by myself, I get it right. And, and so we get it right on occasion, but they weren't getting it right. And Jeremiah's like, look, you need to repent. You need to stop following these idol gods. You need to turn your hearts back to God. And if that doesn't happen... Something bad's going to happen. You're going to go into exile. You're not going to be able to worship God the way you want. You're not going to be able to go to church on Sunday morning and get your Starbucks the way you want. You're not going to be able to have it the way you want. And they're all like, you're just a prophet. I don't think you really know what you're talking about. And what happened is the Babylonian Empire, King Nebuchadnezzar, took them into exile, plundered them, killed some of them, showed you some of the pictures last week from that desolation. If you're an archaeological person, listen to last week or watch it. And then they went in to, to Babylon, which is kind of modern-day Iraq around that area. And they were there for how many years? Do you remember we talked about last year? How many years? Seventy years in exile. So some of them aren't going to live through that. Some of them, this is a brand-new thing. What a horrible experience. And so what we looked at last week, though, is even though they were in the worst of circumstances, they had to figure out how to find their joy. And the reason I wanted to go through this book isn't to depress anybody, but to go... I don't know your circumstances the last year or the year and a half. I don't know what you have been through. But when I compare it to what the Israelites went through under the Babylonian Empire, where they couldn't even worship or do the things they wanted to, I go, my situation's really not that bad. It's not that bad, okay? And we've gone through some tough stuff. I get that. And so what I want you to see is rather than us continuing to focus on the tough stuff, continuing to focus on the the what was, continuing to focus on all of that and get upset and get kind of depressed and go, man, I, I wish things went back to normal. You know, I wish things were that. And, and this is to go, man, how in the midst of my circumstance in my life right now through a biblical world perspective, do I find my joy again? Because can I tell you this morning, we as Christ followers should be the most joy-filled people on this planet. Okay? Some of us are. Some of us still look like we're not. 
That's like a really wise Bible verse right there. Some of us were joyed, and some of us were not. All right. But some of us, look you look like you're carrying 4,000 pounds of baggage from your past or things that are weighing you down and holding you down. And I'm not saying this as a... You know, experience are like, oh, that, you know, I just think that's hypothetical in your situation. I've lived it. I've been there. I've seen it. And I just want for every single one of you this morning, this life giving for me, it really means, you know what, allowing just that spirit of heaviness to just fall off. And so that's what my prayer is for you during this. And so, you know, this morning, somebody who I know pretty well in the church said, good luck. I read Lamentations too. And, and, and I can say without hesitation, yeah, because when you read this, you're going to be like, wow, it's like death and destruction and all that. And some of you like those kind of movies. But this is real life for these people. This is not some kind of fictional thing that we read. This is their history of what happened. And so uh, sit back, relax, as we dive in this morning to Lamentations 2. I don't have this up here, so just if you want to close your eyes, you want to listen, however you listen, the best. If you're ready, say yeah. Here we go. Lamentations chapter 2. How the Lord has covered daughter Zion with the cloud of his anger. He has hurled down the splendor of Israel from heaven to earth. He has not remembered his footstool in the day of his anger. Without pity, the Lord has swallowed up all the dwellings of Jacob. In his wrath, he has tore down the strongholds of daughter Judah. He has brought her kingdom and its princes down to the ground in dishonor. In fierce anger, he has cut off every horn of Israel. He has withdrawn his right hand at the approach of the enemy. He has burned in Jacob like a flaming fire that consumes everything around it. Like an enemy, he has strung his bow. His right hand is ready. Like a foe, he has slain all who were pleasing to the eye. He has poured out his wrath like fire on the tent of daughter Zion. The Lord is like an enemy. Wait, what? Yeah. He has swallowed up Israel. He has swallowed up all her places and destroyed her strongholds. He has multiplied mourning and lamentation for daughter Judah. He has laid waste his dwelling like a garden. He has destroyed his place of meeting. The Lord had made Zion forget her appointed festivals and her Sabbaths. In his fierce anger, he has spurned both king and priest. The Lord has rejected his altar and abandoned his sanctuary. He has given the walls of her places into the hands of the enemy. They have raised a shout in the house of the Lord as on the day of the appointed festival. The Lord determined to tear down the wall around daughter Zion. He stretched out a measuring line and did not withhold his hand from destroying. He made ramparts and walls lament. Together they wasted away. Her gates have sunk into the ground. Their bars he has broken and destroyed. Her king and her princess are exiled among the nations. The law is no more, and her prophets no longer find visions from the Lord. The elders of daughter Zion sit on the ground in silence. They have sprinkled dust on their heads and put on sackcloth. The young women of Jerusalem have bowed their heads to the ground. My eyes fail from weeping. I'm in torment within. My heart is poured out on the ground because my people are destroyed, because children and infants faint in the streets of the city. They say to their mothers, where is bread and wine? As they faint like the wounded in the streets of the city, as their lives ebb away in their mother's arms. What can I say for you with what can I compare you, daughter Jerusalem? To what can I liken you that I may comfort you, virgin daughter Zion? Your wound is as deep as the sea. Who can heal you? The visions of your prophets were false and worthless. They did not expose your sin to ward off your captivity. The prophecies they gave you were false and misleading. All who passed your way clapped their hands at you. They scoffed. They shake their heads at daughter Jerusalem. Is this the city that was called 
to be perfection of beauty, the joy of the earth. All your enemies open their mouths wide against you. They scoff, they gnash their teeth, and they say, we have swallowed her up. This is the day we've waited for. We have lived to see it. The Lord has done what he planned. He has fulfilled his word, which he decreed long ago. He has withdrawn you without pity. He has left the enemy gloat over you. He has exalted the horn of your foes. The hearts of the people, they cry out to the Lord. You walls of daughter Zion, let your tears flow like a river day and night. Give yourself no relief, your eyes no rest. Arise, cry out in the night as the watchers of the night begin. Pour out your heart like water in the presence of the Lord. Lift up your hands to him for the lives of your children who faint from hunger at every street corner. Look, Lord, and consider whom have you ever treated like this? Should women eat their offspring to the children they have cared for? Should priests and prophets be killed in the sanctuary of the Lord? Young and old lie together in the dust of the streets. My young men and my young women have fallen by the sword. You have slain them in the day of your anger. You have slaughtered them without pity as you summon to a feast day. So you summon against me terrors on every side. In the day of the Lord's anger, no one escaped or survived. Those I cared for and reared, my enemy has destroyed. Lamentations chapter 2. Come on, man. That's, that is powerful. That is powerful. Now you might be like, I have no idea what you just said, Pastor Chris. I have no idea. Well, last week I shared, you have five chapters in the book of Lamentations, and every single line, there's 22 verses here, every single verse starts in chronological order with the letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So it's very poetic. And the reason Jeremiah wrote Lamentations was he was feeling it in his heart. He wanted to just share what was going on? So we look at these circumstances and we go, how in the middle of this can they find joy? How in the middle of your circumstance can you find joy? And so I just want to continue on from last week to this week, how we do that. Now, some of you know, I've had some medical issues in the last couple of years and, and I, don't, I don't like medical issues. Anybody here, you just, you love medical issues? They're fun? Yeah, woo. You're a doctor, you know, you're just like, I just can't wait to give CPR to a stranger. Woo. Not me. Don't want that. For me, a couple years ago, all of a sudden I woke up and my forehead itched. It, like, it's really bad. And, and it wasn't like an allergic reaction to fast food. It was, it was like serious. And all of a sudden I felt right here, this ginormous like thing start popping out of my neck. And I'm like, this is kind of weird. So I called triage. And how many know, call triage, don't Google your symptoms. You ever Googled your symptoms? Okay. Like, like no matter, like I have a cough, you're going to die. Like, I have a sneeze. You, you know, you have COVID and you're the Antichrist. Like, like, it's just, no matter what you Google, it's awful. So I called the triage. It wasn't much better. It's like, you need to get into ER right now. And I'm like, really? And why is it when we go to ER, it's always like 10 or 11 o'clock at night? Why is that? I, I don't know. And so I go to ER, go up to the Cambridge Medical Center, and I'm just frustrated. And I'm like, what's wrong? And they're like, you're dealing with stress and anxiety. I was trying to lead the church, trying to lead my family. Uh, taking a master's class, trying to finish my master's degree at the same time, doing all of that while doing some side stuff. And the nurse looks at me and goes, sir, you're doing too much. I'm like, okay, you know, well, I can't, I can't get rid of my wife or my kids. You know, I feel called to pass the church. So, uh, you know, she's like, well, finish your master's, get done with that, lay it all down. And I said, well, what's, what's the deal? What's going on? She says, your body's no longer able to fight stuff and you have shingles. Woohoo! And, and it didn't hurt as bad as I've heard some people get it. And I'm like, I was only in my 30s at the time. I'm not supposed to get shingles. And I said, what about this? She goes, that's a swollen lymph node. Because what it's doing is it's protecting you from this infection. 
And I was just like, seriously, what in the world? And I'm like, God, why, why are you allowing me this to happen? And I was just having a, what was me moment? Anybody been there before? And so I drive home. And if you've ever been to our house, we live on about an acre and a half of land, close to two acres, and it's really dark at night. And I drove home, and, and I got out, and it's the second time I had ever seen this. And I look up in the sky, and it's the northern lights. And they're just like, just dancing. I mean, just incredible. And, and I'm looking at them, and you, know, you can see the greens and the different colors, and it's just like kind of waving back and forth. And I sat there, and I know this might sound weird to some of you, but all of a sudden, I was filled with joy. And I was like, you know what? Though this was a really sucky circumstance, I get to stand here, look up at this, and experience something I've only seen once in my lifetime. The Northern Lights, I don't know, but that's like one of the coolest. If you're a doubted God, just look at the Northern Lights. They're incredible. And so I'm looking at that, and I all of a sudden had this like change of heart where it went from, man, I, I've got shingles, i got this, i got to deal with Yeah, i still got to deal with that. But I was able to find joy going, you know what, God, if I wasn't up dealing with the triage, going in and dealing with the nurses, I would have never seen your beauty, majesty, you know, your, your majesty. It was awesome. It was awesome. Let me give you just a couple points here this morning. Joy is found in the presence of God. Come on, I can get a better amen than that. Joy is found. Well, I'm still trying to make a lot of money, Pastor Chris, because that's going to give me freedom. <laughs> you lose. But Pastor Chris, I want to I wanna catch the biggest fish I've ever caught before. You know what's going to happen after you catch the biggest fish you've ever caught before? You're going to want to catch a bigger one. Now, it doesn't fulfill you. It does for a little bit. It's like a drug. Ah, oh, it felt good. But that just kind of simmers down. The only thing that I've ever found is the joy, true joy is found in his presence. That's it. Nowhere else. Not in the city walls of Jerusalem, okay, where the tribes of Judah and tribes of Israel were. Not even, they, they couldn't be in Babylon here going, well, we've got to go back there to find our joy. No, they could only find it in the presence of God. Okay, we see that later when we read the book of Daniel, who shows up eventually. We read about the people in the fiery furnace, all that. that it's all connected. But here's the crazy part, is when I look at this, I go, and I asked my wife earlier, I said, hey, I said, hey, I, I, I want a good illustration. Like, help me out, help me out. Find a good illustration of what, what does it mean? Because I have lots of experiences that I've been in, and I've just experienced the joy of the presence of God, and she started laughing at me. And I said, what? She goes, our dog. And I'm like, what? My dog. If you've never met my dog before, she's dopey. She, she's bigger than she should be, okay? It, don't judge her. And, and she's, you know, she's, she's, I don't know, she's just weird and snuggling. She thinks she's a lap dog, and she's like 80 pounds, okay? That's our dog. Spirit, if you've ever met her, golden doodle. And, and here's, here's my dog. Like, you'll, you'll, throw a ball to her, and she's like, she'll go get the ball, and, and then she'll bring it back, and you throw the ball again, and she'll look at you like, I already did this. Like, what, what are we doing? And, and, and like, she has fun. You can tell there's joy there for a moment, but it laps. And then she likes playing tug of war. I don't know if you have a dog that likes playing tug of war. My dog, it's the only physical thing she does. So we have this rope from Menards that's basically shredded now. And she'll, and then eventually she gets tired and just lays there, you know? And she lays around all day. She eats poops, and sleeps. It's like the greatest life in the world. That's all she does. But here's what's crazy. When I go away on a trip, or I'm away, and Pastor Derek and I are at a pastor's conference, and I come back, it's not my kids that are excited to see me. My wife doesn't greet me at the door. Okay? She tries, to, she'll come bailing out, just, whoa, 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 and she'll come up to me, and she'll just be like, like, just, 
And she's just all over me. And like, she'll, she'll like put her paws up in me. Like, and she'll just sit there. And she'll just sit there forever and ever and ever. And then finally, like when her energy wears out, which is about 30 seconds, she'll just like melt into me. Like just, just like this giant 80-pound rug just melts into me. And I'm like, you're right, honey. That's the perfect illustration of what it means to find joy in the presence of the Lord. When we can realize, we can just melt into Him. I know, guys, that's kind of a weird thing for us guys. But that's what He wants. That's where the true joy is found. Lamentations chapter 2, the first verse, it says this. How the Lord has covered daughter Zion with the cloud of His anger. Can I get, can I get biblically nerdy with you today just for a little bit again? Is that all right? Okay, for everybody else, is that okay too? All right, and the third party. Not okay with them. All right, two-thirds. I'll take two-thirds. All right, so here's the deal. Okay, this is what it says. With the cloud of his anger, he's covered daughter Zion. What's daughter Zion? That's really talking about Israel. It's talking about the cities that were there, Jerusalem. It's the tribe of Judah, the tribe of Israel. Okay, it's the Israelites in general. Here's the crazy part. And so I'm just excited. In previous generations, Jerusalem knew the cloud of God's glory. Okay? Now Jeremiah laments because that presence of a cloud, you remember what helped them get out of exile in the first place? What was it? They followed the cloud, okay? It was there. God showed up in the cloud, all right? Not, this is not a cloud of his glory anymore, but a cloud of anger. It's a cloud of God's anger, okay? Basically, it's like a veil. It's a covering. They can no longer see him. He's covered his glory. The women in the eastern countries would wear veils and often really really expensive ones that they would wear over their face. And here, daughter of Zion is represented as being veiled by the hand of God's judgment, okay? So it's like a, it's like a dark cloud, like a thundercloud. Like, you ever seen the Eeyore in the Pooh cartoon? Looks like rain. Literally, it's this cloud that's over them during this time. God's entirely obscured from them. But was God still present? Was God still there? Here's the crazy part. They couldn't see God, but God could always see them. I need you to hear that this morning. Maybe in your situation right now, you're going, I'm doubting you, God. It's really tough for me to see you right now. Be honest with him. He already knows. Maybe you can't see him, but he can see you. I need you to know that this morning. All right? Now, the presence of God is so joy-filled it's something I desire. This morning, I woke up at 4.51 a.m. That's an ungodly hour, okay? Message was all ready. Things were ready to go. So I decided to go work out this morning. I walked in, and I turned on old Hillsong music. I loved it. Like, break free, or salvation is here, time has come, like stuff I listened to like 15 years ago. And I was just having the presence of God on the elliptical this morning, just me and Jesus, you know? There's nobody in the gym at 4.51 in the morning on a Sunday. It was awesome. I was belting out loud, man. It was great. But there's something powerful about the presence of God. And here's what I want to say. If it doesn't scare you to be without God's presence, it's because you've never experienced it in the first place. I know it's tough, okay? But there's so much joy in it. I don't want to be without it. Even in my doubts, even in the times I'm angry, even in the time I don't think it's fair or circumstances aren't going the way I think it should, and I want justice for the people that did me wrong, even in those moments, I want to be in his presence. Biblical joy is a privilege. Biblical joy is a privilege. It's something that God offers to us, but we have to receive it. 
Some of us were still trying to get our hands wrapped around grace, but this privilege of joy, we get this. You see, right here in chapter 2, I don't know if you heard this while I, I read, but one of the things that's super important when you're reading through the Scripture is look for any patterns or look for anything that's repeated over and over. And I don't know if you heard what I said over 10 times while I was reading Lamentations chapter 2, but over 10 times I said, daughter of Judah or daughter of Zion. 10 different times. Why in the world would Jeremiah in chapter 2 use that phrase intentionally in his poem over 10 times and repeat it? There must be some significance, right? I mean, that's why he would say that in the first place. Well, what it was is to be God's daughter or this title that he used for the Israelites. It's a privileged title. Yet, that privilege carries a responsibility. And so for many generations, God's people thought only in terms of privilege, not in the responsibility that it carried. Now, I know that's Bible and we don't deal with that today, right? That's sarcasm if you don't know me, all right? You know, last week, I loved our baptism. We had a great picnic I was able to baptize one of our closest friends and one of my neighbors. It was awesome. But with that water baptism comes a responsibility. Because when you say yes to Christ, you're publicly displaying that to the world when you get baptized. You're putting a target on your back saying, you know what, devil, I'm scared of you. I'm living for you, Jesus. This is who I am now. That's what it means. It's a privilege, but it has responsibility with it. Now, joy is also in the fruit of discipline. Who's just like, yay, discipline, woohoo! How many here just love to be disciplined? Derek, all right, cool. We have our evaluation this week as a staff, all right. None of us like to be disciplined, you know, like, I don't think anyone likes that. If you you do, you're, you're weird, Derek, all right? But here's the deal. We usually usually see God fighting for us, not against us. Here they were. Put yourself in their story. They're looking at God going, why is God fighting against us right now? You know, it's called kicking against the goads in Scripture. Why why is he fighting against us? The entire book of Lamentations, we see God basically looks like he's turning against his people. Is he? We'll talk about that in a moment. Why did he do it? Why? You know, I, I love what Paul writes or whoever wrote Hebrews, chapter 12, verse 11, most say it's Paul, says this, no discipline seems pleasant at the time. Can I get a good amen? Derek didn't say amen. But painful. Later on, however, it does what? It produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. In other words, allow to be in the presence of God. The joy comes when you follow God's ways and you might, sometimes it might feel like discipline, or you might feel like, man, God's angry with me, or I did something to upset him, or I have this responsibility to live out my Christian faith a certain way, and I don't want to. And yet, when we do, we end up seeing this incredible fruit in our life because of God's presence, okay? Jeremiah, he's undone by this discipline. He's realizing he might not, remember, he's the prophet that went ahead of them all. In his lifetime now, he knows he might not ever see the end of that 70-year exile. Just imagine being him. You've, you've tried to warn the people. You've shared. You gave your life for this cause. And in your lifetime, you might not ever see the fruit of what you believed in and lived out to be. Yet, 
he still followed God. That's why he writes this. That's why he's lamenting. He's sharing, he's sharing his heart. Such an encouragement to you and I, no matter where we're at in our life, to share our hearts with him as well. Where are you at? Share your heart with him. The next verse says this in Lamentations 2, uh, 11a, excuse me, 11 verses down. It says, my eyes fail from weeping. I am in torment within. So Jeremiah, he's, he's messed up. He's, he's broken, and yet he knows he can come to Jesus. Okay, remember his former book warned the Israelites what would happen. Here he is. He's undone, thinking this is life ending. I'm never going to see the change. So the next part of Lamentations chapter 2, verse 11, he says this. This is a really gross scripture. I love gross scriptures. These are fun. All right? It says, my bowels are troubled. My liver is poured upon the earth. I love that verse. That's so disgusting and so poetic. And you might be like, why do you love this, Pastor Chris? Well, because it's his heart. We're getting his heart. The NIV, I'm usually an NIV guy. This time, the, new, or the King James does a much better job translating. The NIV, the NIV kind of pussyfoots around it and he's like, we're not going to say liver. Uh, you know, we're not going to talk about that splattering on the ground. We're just going to say heart. That's literally what the NIV does right here. Okay. Biblically, the Hebrew really says right here, says bowels and my liver poured upon the earth. And if we don't catch that, and we only read heart in the New International Version, we miss out on something super powerful that Jeremiah was presenting here. More literally, your liver, there's two things that are happening. This is where bile is, right? We get to get really gross for a moment. I love it. I'm so excited right now, okay? That, that like yellowy stuff that your dog spits up, like that's your liver, Okay? That's awesome, you know, the stuff in the back of your throat when you eat white castle. Like, that's it. That's bile. So we got that going for you. But here's the other really incredible thing with this. There's a difference between, there's a stark difference. I'm kind of, I might write the NIV even on this because here's the deal. Your liver is the weightiest of your organs. Think about that. It's the heaviest of the organs, okay, of the human body being associated with this profound emotional stress that he was going through. The most profound, heaviest, the, the stuff that there's all the trash, the garbage. He's like, God, I just lay it down. It pours out. It's different than the heart. And it's really powerful when we catch that of what's happening, how down he was. Genuine joy is found in the creator, not in the circumstance. Can I hear a good amen? Come on, somebody. Genuine joy is found in the creator, not in the circumstance. We have seen that over and over and over and over in our life, man. I'm still learning that. But there's this total destruction. Jerusalem is destroyed. Jeremiah's at a loss for words. He's begging God to do something, but he's feeling like this is it. Like, like God, you showed up. You, you did what you said you would do. You're a just God. You're a loving God. You're following your ways. But now what? And then he says in Lamentations chapter 2, verse 16, he says, we have swallowed her up. In fact, you probably heard me say this a few times. Well, what does this phrase mean? We've swallowed her up. What, I mean, it's a weird phrase. What does it mean? Well, this is what's crazy about this phrase is really you had something special going on. How many knew who God's chosen people were? Who were they? The Israelites. It was God's chosen people. Do you think if you and I lived during that day, let's go back in time for a little bit, just like we're doing next week with VBS, going back in time, and you go back, and you're not a part of the Israelites. In fact, you feel really distant. You're way far away, and you're looking over at this group that's called the Israelites. And, and you see them, and you hear them, and you read about them, and you hear their stories, and you hear over and over, well, that's God's chosen people. That's God's chosen people. I don't know about you, 
But I'd probably get a little bit jealous, just being honest with you, a little bit envious. Like, well, God, I, I want to know you. I want to know who this Jehovah is or this Yahweh is. I want to get to know him. Why, why are they his chosen people? What about us? What about the other tribes? What about the people that maybe, you know, weren't from that line, but were from a different line? I mean, in fact, if we go back to the beginning, aren't we all from the same line? You know, come on, God, let, let our tribe be a part of it. And what's happening here is for the first time, the enemy feels like it's one. Yeah, we got the Israelites. We did it. The Israelites are God's chosen people. Not anymore. We attacked them. We captured them. Not only that, we plundered them. We got their kids. We've got their families. And so in other words, Jeremiah uses this language that he what? They swallowed them up. In other words, they took on all of it. Okay? This was the triumphant cry of Jerusalem's enemies. It was a fortified city that they attacked. They plundered. They waited long for the day of her conquest, and now they're super happy to see it. So you've got the Israelites and Jeremiah lamenting, what's King Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians doing at this time? We just got free labor. It's going to be great. Our whole system just changed. Finally, something happened. What they didn't realize is they were just a tool in God's purpose in his big kingdom picture. God allowed it to happen. You see... Jerusalem was the envy of every surrounding nation during that time. They longed for its destruction and they rejoiced when it happened finally. About 586 B.C. Some say maybe up to 600 B.C. But think about this. Let's bring it real right now. You see, the world will never, ever tell you this. But as a Christ follower, if you're one filled with joy, they're thinking the same thing about you. You are the envy to their life. Not anything that has to do with you has to do with God's presence in our life. They want what you have. Well, no, they don't, Pastor. They curse me. They flick me off. They tell me things. They they don't like it. They say they're atheists. It's because they're scared. They see what you have. That's what attracted me to Christianity at the age of 17. I saw something different I had never seen before. People that turned the other cheek, people that forgave. I had never seen. I went to a church, man. There were people clapping and speaking in tongues and raising their hands, and I thought, where in the world am I? These people love Jesus. I'd never seen anything like that in my life. And it wasn't about the people, because some of them, yeah, I'll tell you, some of them were a little crazy. That's where I met Ted, by the way. But in that place, it wasn't the people, it was God's presence displayed through the people. And I'll tell you what, there's nothing more attractive than that. It was incredible. Let me give you one last thought here this morning. If you're with me, say yeah. Last thought. Joy is found in discovering God's purpose. Okay, we want you to find freedom in our church. Okay, we want you to, you know, uh, know God. We want you to make a difference, but we also want you to figure out what's your purpose. What is it? What's your purpose in life? Because when you live it out, your genuine purpose, you will find joy. Now, it can be anything. And I'm not talking vocationally. I'm talking who is it that God called you to be? What are the, who are the people that God's put in place? What does your life look like? What's your sphere of influence? What does your family look like? Look around you. Because when we're content, our joy meter kind of rises. It goes up. See, my desire as a pastor, if I can just, my, my secret, I guess, I'm here for you. My desire, I tell you what, is for you to live out your purpose, your dreams, your desires, the things that you dream about. I I want that to happen so much. 
I, I, I pray for you. I want to see that because I know you will see joy when you're living in that. Last verse here. Lamentations, verse 17 here in chapter 2. It says, The Lord has done what He planned or purposed in some translations. It's an interesting Scripture to me. Tucked away right in the middle of chapter 2 between all the, you know, the, the crazy stuff and the destruction and the lamenting. Right here we see this. The Lord will do what He had planned. What He purposed. In other words, nothing can hinder His plan. Nothing can keep His joy away. Nothing can keep His presence away. He's there all the time. And so then I must believe that God knew this was going to happen. He knew His people were going to go to an exile. So why would a loving God allow something evil to happen? Anyone heard that question in the last 10 years? Why? Well, I think sometimes it's because our hearts have turned away from Him and He wants them back. That's what I believe. So God allowed that to happen for 70 years. I'm only 42. I hope I get it before 70, man. For them to turn their ways. Because He loved them enough to allow them to walk through them. God could have just gone like this and been done with the whole human race. But He's chosen to put up with us. To love us. To be gracious to us, but yet just. Jeremiah announced God's purpose and that was His judgment. Now I want you to see this morning that He's not a mean God, but He's just, He's perfect, and that everything in the Old Testament points to Jesus. Everything in the New Testament points at Jesus. So we look at this as another sign that we can't do it. We're never going to be good enough on our own. You, you, You could do it all just right, but you'll never get there until it's a full surrender to Christ. We have to get to a place where we surrender it all. Where we go, God... This is where I'm at. And here's what I want to ask you. I'm going to ask you this morning to do something bold. I don't want you to close your eyes. I don't want you to wuss out on me. I don't want you to have pressure either. But this is what I want to ask you this morning. If you already have surrendered to Christ, or if this morning say, I want to surrender to Him. This is what I want to ask you to do this morning. I'm not going to freak you out or anything. I'm not going to embarrass you. But all I'm going to ask you to do is if you have surrendered to Christ, say, God, I surrender all to you or you know you need to or want to this morning, no matter where you're at, would you just stand where you're at, if that's you? If you've already done that, stand up with me. If you want to, stand up this morning. If you've surrendered to Christ, or if you want to surrender to Christ. And I just want to invite everybody else to stand with us as well. This has been a podcast of The Bridge Church. Have a great week. Stop in Sunday sometime and visit. If you would like to give, you can do so online at sfbridge.org. Have a great week.